Welcome to the Five More Minutes Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number five. So we are talking today. Um, our theme this month is the end of average. And so the video that we showed um, on the YouTube channel, um, if you haven't seen it, is connected to um, the book The End of Average by Todd Rose. And so definitely go take a look at that if you haven't seen it. But uh, so today is December 9th and um, we're getting we're getting close to the holidays. This weekend, my uh, brother and sister-in-law came into town from Edmonton. And what's really exciting about them is that my sister-in-law is pregnant with twins. So this is a big deal. There are a lot of twins that run in our family. My mom is a twin. And my aunt, my mom's sister, her first set of grandchildren were also twins. So my mom's first set of grandchildren are going to be twins. So it's all very, very, very exciting. So we had a little um, Christmas baby shower for them this weekend. And we took them out to Bowen Island. Um, Jessica and I just, uh, we bought a house recently there. And so we're looking to move in um, probably in the new year. So yeah, so that was big. We, um, Jessica made a huge turkey dinner. And it was just like this dreamiest night with Christmas music. And you know, you know how cozy it is around the holidays. But I'm telling you this because a few days ago, um, my very good friend Jill, who also lives in Edmonton, she sent me a text. And and um, and her and I have been friends for a very long time. And she goes, Shelly, like, what's the best thing that's happening in your life right now? And she's she's so insightful. So she always kind of sends me these little, these little cute, cute texts like that. And so I thought about it. And um, when I responded to her, I was just like, I couldn't really pick up one thing. But what really hit me was, you know, like the life that I'm living right now is like not even a life I could have imagined. And so what I said back to her was just like, I just, I never thought that my life could be so happy and I could feel so fulfilled. And like the reason why I'm telling you that is because I think like that, 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 that sense that I'm in right now is really connected to this theme. Um, so if you know anything about Todd Rose, you know that he had a very bumpy start to life. Similar to me, we both very much struggled in school, which is why I was very drawn to his book, his books. Um, and because I, I really very much struggled and never thought that I would have the success that I do. Being able to tell stories and work in an area of passion, uh, feel like I'm making a difference. Like I really feel like I have, have purpose. And uh, But it didn't start out that way, you know. And so I think... I think, you know, the guest, uh, we're going to be talking to Todd Rose today and I just really feel that I connect, connect with him on that. Um, and how both of us kind of found our own success in our own way and kind of broke, broke the mold of average to, to find, um, success and, and to find our own path. So, um, if you don't know about Todd Rose, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Um, I, I first was introduced to him when, um, I, I, I forget who, I forget who introduced me to the book, but it was it was the book of average, and I downloaded it on Audible because I was doing a lot of driving in my job, and so I was listening to his book. And there were times where I would like keep driving so I could finish off a chapter or whatever, um, and I would drive like an extra few times around the block because it just was so engaging and so accessibly written. So he, um, I mean, the whole book is good. Definitely go read it. But but the one part that really stood out to me was. The, air, the metaphor that he talks about about the military airplanes and so and this is this is the metaphor we talk about in the five more minutes video but um 
that meta that metaphor really really hit home to me because um, it really helped give me the words and helped me kind of explain and articulate you know why my experience in school was so hard and and how and it's not just me like there's so many people that I talk to um and you know both growing up and today that for so long thought that they were broken um and it's just so disheartening because some of the most successful people I know are people that didn't fit inside the box and this is you know a lot what Todd talks about um and so originally today I had a different plan. Like my plan for the podcast today was to talk to people who didn't fit in the mold and people who kind of found their own success. But then cousin Paul, who, as you know, produces um, all of the five more minutes content, he just, you know, in his, you know, dream big kind of ways, he sent me a text. He's like, hey, Shelly. And this wasn't months ago. This was like last Saturday. And he's just like, why don't you like try and get a hold of Todd Rose? And I'm like, Paul, I'm not Oprah. Like, there's no way. Todd Rose works at Harvard. He is like a big wig in the world. You know, he's got like, like best selling books. There's no way. He's like, mm. Paul's like, I think you should just try. So Paul, you know, thanks for the push because uh, by the next morning, Todd had responded. And so kind of now I just keep thinking, well, who else can I get on this podcast? Right. So, um, yeah, so this, so this, the rest is history. So last Wednesday, Todd Rose and I at bright and early 7am Vancouver time, um, we Skyped and, uh, drank a cup of coffee with Todd Rose, which, which I think was pretty exciting. And, and I got to talk to him about, about the metaphor that he uses in the book and kind of what, you know, what, what new project he has coming up. Um, and I feel, I feel pretty lucky about that experience. Um, cause you know, I, this, I think I really believe that Todd is an incredible individual and he's changing the world through story which is kind of what I'm trying to do and so I felt felt uh quite quite a lot of connection with him um if you don't know Todd Rose though and and I and I did I've been learning more about him um you know over time but uh he so he's the author of End of Average as you know but he's also written a book called Square Peg which is about his own experience growing up and then his newest book is called Dark Horse which Todd will talk about in this podcast um but in his life now he's the co-founder of a social impact organization called Populists which I encourage you to look up um, he's the director of the Mind, Brain, and Education program at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, and he leads the laboratory for laboratory for the science of individuality, which I just absolutely love. Um, he is from Utah. Uh, he's a high school dropout, and he found a way to fight back at the education system, and he found his path and success along his way. So I got to ask him about that too, which you know he just has a great story. So sit back and relax, and uh, let me introduce you to Mr. Todd Rose. Hi, nice to see you. So to kind of, um, so everyone, this is Todd Rose. Say hi, say hi to Todd Rose. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so I have to tell you, so um, that video is part of this kind of series throughout the year. So one video is released every month, and they're kind of all around this theme of inclusive education and teaching to diversity. And I use that airplane metaphor all the time, all the time, because that connection to curriculum and, um, and that self-adjustment piece or whatever. Um, and so when my cousin Paul, who lives in New York, and he's like, you know, maybe you should get Todd Rose on your podcast because there's a podcast next week. And I'm just like, I'm not going to get Todd Rose on my podcast. Like, there's no way. And he's like, I think you should try. And so I sent you the emails the next morning. I'm like, cousin Paul, shoot for the stars, shoot for the stars. Um, and so, so the reason why your metaphor really sticks out to me is, is because, like, I, I think in metaphors, metaphors are very much... Um, 
kind of how I how I learn and how I think or whatever. Um, and I was also someone who really struggled in school, and so like just really connected with you on that as well. But in that book, The End of Average, um, that's what really caught my attention. So I'm curious about, you know, that specific metaphor. Like, what led you to that? Yeah. So what's what's interesting is um, it was pretty accidental. Um, yeah. You know, I had I, in my scientific work, I'm part of a field called the science of individuality, science of individual, which gets away from using averages to study people. Yeah. Um, and I I got curious. Like, really, I, like, one day I was like, wait a minute, like, where did this all, like, why did we ever think this was a good idea? Totally. Like, why? And so I started trying to just understand the history of that, and that was just more my own curiosity that then eventually turned into a book. Yes. And as part of that, I actually, um, I use a, it's really, really, like, specific, but I use a, um, a piece of software called Papers to yeah. organize my, like, uh, journal articles. Yes, yes. And the, the things it does is it makes recommendations, and I was digging in, and um, and I was pulling all this like individuality research in, and one of the things that came up was this Gilbert Daniels, yeah, uh, the sort of myth of the average person, and it was a military document, and I was like, that's really interesting. Yeah, so yeah. I started <laughs> digging into it, and then that just led me down a rabbit hole of like. Wow! Like there's this whole totally. this whole story that people don't really know. Yeah. Um, and I think it really does work as a as a metaphor for where we're at right now in education. It, it totally does, right? And and that's what I found. Um, it just it totally made this complex idea so accessible to people. And and I was kind of like looking at you know reviews of the book and this. I mean like that book changed people's lives. You know what I mean? Like it totally helped them. So so kudos to you. Kudos to you. Um, so it's just a little bit about our context. Um, so in British Columbia right now, we're, we have gone through this whole curriculum redesign, uh, really trying to move away from um, this idea of standardized curriculum and move it to more standard-based, right? So you have more of that room for adjustment. Um, and and what, I, what I really like about that airplane metaphor is this. Basically, it's, it's helped people see the connection between universal design and universal design for learning, right? And it kind of bridges that. Because in the physical world, we understand. But in the yeah. in intellectual world, we really don't. And so I guess my question to you now is kind of, um, so you saw the video about that we made and, and kind of how we've connected it to curriculum. And so I'm wondering, like, what was your reaction to the video that you saw and, and kind of your feedback or, or thoughts towards yeah. it? So I thought it was great. And I thought, actually, I thought it was, like, really well produced, too, which... Um, I think that's really terrific. And my cousin Paul is, is he's totally self-taught. He's totally brilliant. He's, no. he's, oh, wow. yeah, he's no, amazing. He's yeah. And, um, yeah. Like, I, I I thought it was, like, spot on. So, as you can imagine, um, sort of fortunate in the sense that, like, end of average actually has done really well, actually globally. Yeah, um, totally. It's been very surprising. It's been a bestseller um, a lot of places. Like, and so it starts showing up in, in all kinds of places. But sometimes people understand it. Differently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, first of all, I thought you got it spot on. So that Yay. Was and, yeah. Um, and then again, I think that was really important um, is the you, you extending that into uh, what I see as like autonomy and an agency of like, like, let's make sure in our efforts to create more flexible curriculum materials, we don't make the mistake of thinking that it's something we're still doing two and four kids totally. alone, right? Yeah. And actually, a big part of this is like 
the ultimate personalization is when you're equipping kids with the self-knowledge and self-regulating skills yeah. to be able to make their own choices. Oh my goodness. That's so true. Okay, I'm glad you really like that part. Thank you. Um, and so, where is your thinking going now? Because I know you have a new book coming out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so it just came out. It's called Dark Horse. Um, so here's where my thinking is, and I'll, I'll ramble and you interrupt me. And then, okay. And Paul can edit it out and make a small yeah. thing really cool. um, So uh, one of the things that I found in sort of thinking about end of average and the shift toward a more personalized society, because by the way, that's happening whether we like it or not. Totally. That's just where things are going. But it doesn't mean it will end well. It doesn't mean it will be fair. And I think that yeah. like left alone, um, this shift to personalization is going to benefit people for whom the system already worked for. Yeah. And it's going to, the, the, the folks like us, like that, where, where who's ever really struggled, it's really not going to be better. And totally. it, we just have to design it that way. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, you know, off of end of average, I, you know, I'm a professor, but I also have a think tank called Populous, which is yeah. meant to get these ideas to the public. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we've learned over the last couple of years is that like, you know, this idea of individuality and personalization in a vacuum, it, it, it can go to places that you don't really want to go. Yeah. And so one of the things that that uh, we've realized is that you have to put the outcome, like what is it that we're using this for? Like what are we trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And um, and so Dark Horse is kind of an interesting thing. So Alpha mm -hmm. of Average, I was like super curious about um, people who were successful that nobody saw coming. Right, right. right. Classic, what we call a dark horse. Totally, yeah, right? yeah. Nobody had ever studied them. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody. And I thought, well, I wonder, like, if there's something I could learn from them. Yeah. Um, and it was my first qualitative research. Like, I've, yes. I've and I'm a convert now. I, I, like, I, think it's I know, me too. Me too. <laughs> so much, like, by listening to people, it's pretty surprising. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we studied hundreds of people from all walks of life who the only criteria was that like they were successful at what they did mm -hmm. and they didn't have a traditional path. Oh, right? wow. Um, and what was fascinating is I thought that maybe what they'd have in common is some kind of personality, like maybe like a Steve Jobs or Richard Branson, like yeah. you don't mind bucking the system and that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just turned out not to be true. Like they were all over the place. And yeah. what, ke they, what kept coming forward yeah. um, was that to a person, they had chosen to prioritize like personal fulfillment as their view of success, well, right? Like yeah. rather than somebody else's definition. Yeah. And as soon as you did that and you made it personal, meaning I want to achieve things that matter to me, mm -hmm. well then it's it, it's personal and like it, it it's gonna put you on an individual path. And then what mm -hmm. we found is that ultimately it was what made people be able to be happy and successful. Totally. Um, so that work led to like a series of what we call like the dark horse mindset like yeah. so how would how would a person actually take this on and, and live a fulfilling life and still have a a, a stable path to yeah. make success well wow i can't wait to read that book that'll be my christmas read it's perfect perfect um okay so okay so everyone go go buy and read todd's new book that's perfect um okay and so okay so thinking about that now um are there any like are there any like like how because you're really good at making things accessible, right? Like, like making it like so that it's not too jargony. And so, what were some like? Were there any kind of metaphors or kind of ideas that came out of that book that you think are gonna like be really impactful? Yeah. So 
I would say um, in this case, it, it, it's it's more about um, it's a little more kind of like uh, I almost want to say self help. It's almost like mm-hmm. into that rather than big big ideas like end yeah. of average. Yeah, Plus, yeah. Uh, and so I relied more on um, really good storytelling of just people's yes. amazing lives. Yeah. Um, rather than needing the sort of overarching metaphors, which I think for abstract concepts, you really, really... Totally. And you know what I I find every day is people love the story. They love it. So, you know, like, they can connect to it. I never thought in a million years that I would have a job telling stories. So it's pretty pretty phenomenal. It's pretty phenomenal. Okay, so my next question is kind of, you know, about you. If you, like, if you had a vision for, like, if you could, like, think about your experience in school, if you had a vision for how you wish it was different, like, what would be your ideal? Because I know, because, yeah, like, what would be your ideal? So, I, like, we think a lot about this. Um, part yeah. of our work is to think about what the future of education looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that, um, for me, there's a handful of things that I think just have to be true, mm-hmm. right, in an ideal situation. First is, um, even though I had a bad experience for most of my yeah. educational life, and then I didn't, right, um, yeah. and I had a reasonably good experience, like... I still think it comes down to like the human relationships, which means totally. that you're either going to trust your teachers or you're not. Yeah. And if you don't trust your teachers, it's already over. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, no amount of technology, no amount of like, is going to substitute for a, a, a quality teacher. Yeah. And I I feel like right now, there are a lot of the personalization efforts are like algorithmic and mm-hmm. tech based as if you're going to kind of go around these committed professionals. And I think it's just a bad idea. Yeah. And so uh, the first thing is that whatever we do, it really has to center on the the student and the teacher and the students and the students, right? Yeah. Those yeah. human relationships. And you make choices about the technology that actually support that, right? Mm-hmm. It's so a tool. In a, in a perfect world, this is what I would do. Um, first, I as we've already kind of started talking about, like, it's nonsensical that education is the last place that still designs on average. That you just you can't totally. like it, it's ridiculous. Like yeah. and you can start with the people who are making money. That's it. That's, that's it. That's it. And it like, oh. like no more. You, you can design a flexible environment. Like we, we have good frameworks like universal design for learning. Totally. Like start there. Yeah. Like it's just unacceptable. Yeah. Like if the military can do that, mm-hmm. like so can we. Totally. Right? And and I think that's gonna um so that's gonna help a lot like I think people will be shocked at like how many kids don't get into a rut to begin with don't fall behind don't Mm -hmm. get deflated don't like lose a sense of like confidence so flexible design is is just a must Must. that's the first thing the second thing is we absolutely have to have it's got to be mastery based learning it cannot be fixed time and grades thank you Todd Rose you are speaking to my heart yes like I don't care how some one kid compares to another kid sitting next to them. Exactly. What I want to know is, like, have you mastered the, the ideas, the knowledge, the mm-hmm. skills that you need to be able to live the life that you want to live? Exactly. Like, period. And if it takes a little more time, it takes a little more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good news is, is like, especially in the, in the States, like, mastery-based learning is something that is just widely accepted as where we're going. So yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Now, whether it's whether it gets done well or not, we'll see. But, totally. So flexible design, mastery-based learning. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is whether we, whether people like it or not, we've got to cede a little more control to the students themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, not like Lord of the Flies, and <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like I, I still want teachers to play a really vital role, but like, like I need to, part of what I need to learn 
is how to make good choices, mm -hmm. how, how to, how to mm -hmm. know, know who I am, make decisions based on that. And what better place to do that mm -hmm. than in the supporting environment of education? Absolutely. And, um, so I feel like when you combine those things, I, I'm also very, very um, a big believer in the sense that like students are going to need like this combination of I want kids who understand civics. I want them to deeply understand, mm -hmm. especially in free societies, like what their rights and responsibilities are and yeah. how, how to affect change if you want it. Um, and I want kids to be able to have a wide sampling of what society has to offer. Yeah. Right? So because like if a kid ends up, if, if a young woman decides she wants to be a mechanic, yeah. I'm all for that and that's a success provided that that was actually a choice provided yeah that not this illusion her. of last resortness yeah yeah like we gave her some test and put her on a track and yeah like only this and so like i feel like the only way you know i grew up in in rural america and mm -hmm. like like i didn't know what what society had to offer yeah right so like i i want kids i want a focus on exposure to things mm. um, and like i think that if you come out of high school with a good understanding of what you care about and yeah. heck even if you just come out with stuff you know you hate yeah <laughs> narrow your focus <laughs> yeah, yeah. no it's so, so true I, I really want that and I, yeah. I just think like like we know for sure that we can't predict the jobs kids are going to be in anymore yeah. and so we have to make a different bet which is equipping kids mm -hmm. to be able to live in that kind of world that's going to be uncertain in ways yeah. that we haven't had to deal with and have to like navigate those unpredictable situations right okay. and it's really um my, my my supervisor Leighton Schneller he really talks about you know the, the shift of curriculum away from this transmissive kind of like I'm going to bestow upon you knowledge to like more the facilitator role in, the tra in helping okay. kids to transform and so it's all so aligned and uh oh yes we're on the same page, Todd. Okay, so a couple more questions. This question is, is, is kind of, I think about this for myself because I barely made it through school and I always think to myself, like, what advice, if I could go back to my 13-year-old self, like, what would I tell them? So if you could go back to your, if you think about, like, like in, in the middle of the mess of school that we struggled, what would you go back and tell yourself? I would, I would say... Two things. One, it actually does. It does get better. It does. <laughs> it's right? true. But, but you just can't see that, like, like life outside of even high school could mm -hmm. be different. Mm -hmm. um, and that, like, I would say, like, the most important thing is don't lose confidence in yourself. Like, be humble about it and learn yeah. that, like, don't don't give up who you are. No. Right. Like, the reason that it's not working right now is not because there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, mm -hmm. that it, it, it is a product of the design of our system mm -hmm. it is built for kids to fail like that's just that a is. fact it right totally um, for some kids to fail at least and so for me it's, it's about understanding that like those struggles aren't just on me I mean I'm sure I played my part but like yeah and that like uh, the other thing that I, I would say is like I wish I didn't um extend like a lot of um coping mechanisms that allowed me to not not completely hate myself as a like yeah. function of like doing so poorly in school mm -hmm. that, you know, are really productive, I think, in the moment. And mm -hmm. then there are things that you have to undo mm -hmm. if you're really going to want to move on and, and, and have a, a productive yeah. life. So what was the moment, what was the turnaround moment for you? So th there were a, a couple, actually. So mm -hmm. um, one was out of, like, grim necessity. So um, 
you know, after I fell out of high school, mm-hmm. uh, my girlfriend got pregnant and yeah. she's still my wife today. So, and, uh, so suddenly I was, uh, uh, without a high school diploma, mm-hmm. um, within the first couple of years, we ended up having two kids mm-hmm. and I was, I had worked, um, about 10 minimum wage jobs, just bouncing around yeah. and we were on welfare and, like, it's just bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, I couldn't figure out why, like, why my choices didn't seem to work out the way mm-hmm. that I thought they would, right? Like, yeah. I was trying, it just didn't seem to work. Yeah. So that moment of, like, actually having kids and mm-hmm. realizing that, like, it's one thing to mess up your own life and a whole other mm-hmm. thing to, like, I don't want to pass that on, yeah. right? Like, I, don't, I, I want them to have a shot at, at leading the life they want to live. Yeah. So that gave me this sort of motivation to say, i, I got to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and then it was funny, like, it was actually my my dad. So uh, we had, he, he's the first high school graduate in my entire family. Yeah. And um, when I was a kid, he decided to go to college at night mm-hmm. and became a mechanical engineer. Oh, wow. And it was amazing. And yeah. I watched... Um, you know, he was a mechanic to start with and then mechanical engineer. And I watched um, that. I watched education change our family and change mm. our life circumstances. Yeah. And um, so we were, we I, we got, we developed a really good relationship, believe it or not, after I failed out of school. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people were frustrated. My in-laws were frustrated. Mm. Rightly. Like, they, yeah. uh, like, I didn't seem to be able to hold a job. Um, and people said I was lazy. And, mm. you know, my dad pulled me aside one day and said, look, I, I don't think you're lazy. I think you have to be motivated all the time. You have to, it, like, so he said, like, you got to figure out what you care about and, and like, live there. Like, just, mm. you felt like I was pretty extreme in that sense. Like, and I think it's true. Like, yeah. when I'm not interested, I'm probably the worst. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Like, so, <laughs> but I got to make sure I'm doing yeah. things that I care about. Um, mm. And so he said, he said, he felt like, he thought that there would be, he said, look, there are probably jobs where people pay you a lot of money, given the kind of, qualities I have he said but you can't get there from where you are right now mm-hmm. um, he, he thought like I either needed to be an entrepreneur or mm-hmm. um, actually go to school and mm-hmm. um, I didn't have any money so I was I didn't I, I would be a terrible entrepreneur <laughs> but like I like that I like it I just not I don't have a good business sense, really like <laughs> but, um, but uh, uh, so I thought well you know what I'm, I'm gonna go to school so I got my GED yeah um, and I started going to school at night yeah. um, while I was working during the day and um, that process uh, led me I had, I had some really wonderful human relationships with yeah. people who were like taught me something about myself and mm-hmm. that that really was the turnaround for me yeah wow that's quite the journey my friend good for you um, okay so there's gonna be some people listening to this podcast and they're gonna be thinking of kids in their classroom right now who are struggling and so what are like kind of like let's say like your top three nuggets like what do you want them to take away from this conversation so i believe mm-hmm. um so first of all like thank you to everyone who who does this work totally like, mm-hmm. it matters in a way that you can't comprehend yeah like um being squeezed by standardization and not being able to do the work you always want to do mm-hmm. like it does matter it just often pays off down the road so thank you um and the, the thing that I would say is that, uh, like, when you see kids who are struggling, like, mm-hmm. almost inevitably, it leads to, like, behavioral issues, whether that's yeah. internalizing or externalizing. And, and those kids can be extremely frustrating yeah. to be around. Absolutely. Like, I was one of those kids. But it, it's, 
I, I think that the single most important thing is just being known. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the times where it was almost magical for me was when a teacher, like, take a little bit of time to get to know me and not just, not just in the things I'm not doing well right now. Mm -hmm. Right. But take an interest in who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you'll be surprised. Like when, when people feel truly valued and Mm -hmm. and like that, you really want to know me. Mm -hmm. Um, like most of the time when kids get into that mode where they don't want to disappoint you anymore because Mm -hmm. like they really feel that connection. Um, it's, it's terrific. So I feel like, um, it's so easy to get caught up in the, what they're not doing and all the, problems we got to fix or whatever and, and that's okay that some of that is is necessary but don't overlook that there's a real kid mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. like it just takes one person it's so to, true to connect with them um, and that's i and, think what was my turning point is exactly that someone yeah. cared someone cared they saw through the mess <laughs> yeah and what's funny is what what this is why i said like my number one thing is like like you either trust your teachers or you don't because mm-hmm. Like it, and I do. And here's the thing: I, I'm not saying we don't need to do better at professional development and mm-hmm. pre-service stuff. We do, mm-hmm. but that's not the teacher's fault. That's the, totally that's our <laughs> fault in, in preparing professionals. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, like it's just it is. It's like it is about these relationships, and mm-hmm. um, and you know, again, no tech is going to replace that. So yeah. I, I want kids. Mm-hmm. I, I look. I think worldwide you're seeing like this incredible rise of like loneliness and kids just not feeling like they belong and yeah. I think that's so devastating and I think that like mm-hmm. teachers play such a vital role yeah ah Todd okay well that's 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 my interview that's a, <laughs> thank you so much do you have any questions for me well I, I'm actually just interested like so what so you, you're doing there's curriculum redesign going on now yeah and how is that scope Well, this is, I think this is the first time, because usually curriculum will kind of shift like a little bit at a time. Like we'll do like math this year, but this is the first time it's done a full K to 12 shift at the same time. And so it's within kind of this three year window, they've, they've evolved the whole thing. And it's really been a shift. Um, There's still content knowledge, but the emphasis has been decreased to make room for competencies. And so it's, it's really changing not just the like the curriculum goals but the conceptual model of you know the ratio between how much content and how much competency and it's less that if you know it but what you do with that knowledge that's that's really amazing um i think the most exciting part is we don't have standardized exams anymore really like even in grade 12 like they kind of have these two like literacy numeracy um low stakes exams and so and they're not connected to a course they're more like over your education career and they're low stakes so kids can use them if they need them Wow! so it's really exciting and it's not across canada like this is a bc kind of led initiative so people are watching to kind of see what happens well i what i'm excited about is like and this would be kind of my final thought here like i yeah like I think that, and not just trying to be like wishful thinking, like mm-hmm. just I think it's an empirical fact that kids are capable of more than we've imagined, yeah. and that right now um, we often think that kids like there's just innately talented people, mm-hmm. and some people just don't have it, and that's why we have the system we have. But yeah. I actually think it's the other way around mm-hmm. that we designed a system that assumed only some yes. people were going to be capable. It's so true. We put a belt over everybody yeah. and you force it to be true mm-hmm. and um, and I think what's really really interesting about these kind of efforts is that early on 
Um, it, it's always messy, by the way, as you're, yep. I'm sure you know. Yep. It always is messy. Every time. But what, you just see that, like, how much ability and passion there really mm-hmm. is. Um, and I, I think that there, there isn't a country on earth that doesn't need more of that. And yep. to think that our our curricular approaches and like have actually been the bottleneck on mm-hmm. human capacity and it's ridiculous. Um, it, it, it is. It, it doesn't is. make it's sense. It's unnecessary. And that, like, you know, what I'm also interested with these kind of efforts, and we see them in the States, too, is, like, hopefully the people in charge, it's, like, the, the signs of success of this kind of change are not test score improvements initially, right? Yeah. There's these other characteristics, like, kids' engagement and mm-hmm. even just, like, absenteeism. Like, kids oh, for come sure. to school more. Yeah. They are more engaged. And, like, there's a wealth of literature that, like, Increased engagement leads to better performance. Like so, it's Every like time. stuff that will likely change first. Yeah, will then lead downstream mm-hmm. to, to sort of more traditional improvements. Yeah, um, and not cutting it short before it has a chance to prove its worth. Well, and I think one of the biggest indicators is the decrease in behavior. Mm-hmm. Right, and so and that. That is like an epidemic right now because we're just forcing these kids into these boxes, you know. Thank you, Todd. You're making a difference. Um, you, your story is is has an impact and you're changing people's minds. So thank you for that. So Todd, thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Thanks, Todd. Okay, so that was Todd. What do you think? It was good, hey? Doesn't he just have so many little nuggets of wisdom? I was listening back at the interview and just kind of writing down some quotes and I'm like, oh, this is like content for the month. So be prepared, Twitter. I'm going to be sending out some little Todd Rose quoting gems. So thanks again, Todd, for email emailing me back and making time um, for us to have this conversation. Um, as, as he was talking, I just kept saying to my head, yes, 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 yes. Um, it just everything he was saying is res- just resonates with me so much. Um, and I gotta say, I am so pumped. Um, both Paul and I are pretty excited that he likes the video, um, and, uh, how he, how he liked the part that we added about self-adjustments. Um, validation does feel so good. Um, four big ideas that Todd Rose talks about that I think are really, really good takeaways, um, and things that I think can, we can all really work towards to make a difference. Um, number one, human relationships. Isn't that just so the truth? The more I'm in education, the more I realize that that really just is the number one. It's foundational. I know if I think back on turning points for me in my education, it was people, right? People who, um, made the time to care. Um, the second one, flexible design. Design keeps coming back over and over and over again. Um, my mantra in life is becoming universal design. So I think what Todd, Todd Rose really helps us to see is the shift from universal design to universal design for learning. And, you know, it's funny because we really understand universal design in the physical world when it's tangible and we can touch it. But for some reason, we just we have this really big disconnect as soon as it becomes intellectual design. And uh, and all of a sudden it's it becomes, you know, like we're cheating and and I so I think if we if we really kind of make that effort to see you know the ramps of buildings is similar to the ramps that we need in our brains um it's the exact same thing in you know flexible design and allowing people to have the supports when they need it is just it's just called adulting um the third one that he pointed out is mastery-based teaching, and and I gotta say, I'm I'm really I, I'm reading a lot about this because it's really also connecting to assessment and um, mastery-based learning. And I just the, the more I real about real read about it and learn about it, the more I'm like, I don't know how we can operate in any other way. It just makes so much more sense. So. 
Um, go, go look this up if you haven't before, because you know, it's, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It is, it just, it totally makes sense. It's basically this idea that we're not in comparison with other people and we're allowed to have our own paths and, and it makes goals really, really important. And, um, but we can meet those goals in different ways. And so I think it gives us, uh, it gives us kind of permission to release the burden of standardization, even I think we have more room and more flexibility, even if we're still in a standardized system. So not SNBC, but in other places that are listening. Um, and last but not least, number four, um, the fourth big idea that he pointed out was, you know, being able to hand over more control to kids. And, and that to me is just self-regulated learning at its finest. I think uh, there's been some huge misunderstandings around self-regulation. I think I've mentioned it before, but, you know, a lot of times we look at how to support kids to regulate so that they can be compliant, as opposed to how do we support kids to regulate so they can meet a goal, which I really see is the difference between just self-regulation to be green and self-regulation for learning. And we have some of the best researchers around that um, in the world right here in Canada. Um, so you can see all of these four big ideas are just so connected to inclusive education and which is why you can see why I love Todd Rose so much. Um, but these, these ideas are just good for all kids. It just comes back to that UDL piece. Um, I just, I'm going to end off with, you know, my favorite quote of the interview. And that is what, um, Todd's dad said to him because (laughs) I just, I feel like, I feel like this was. I feel like this was actually said to me in some way, but his dad said, Todd, I don't think you're lazy. I think that you need to find out what you care about and live there. And if there was like one slogan that I could say would be my goal for education, that that would be it. What do you care about? Um, what 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 are you good at? What do you have? What do you have to offer? What do you have to contribute? And I really believe that that every kid, every kid. Um, we can apply that we can apply that criteria too so i agree with todd um i think that we are all way more capable than we could ever imagine and there's just so much more possibility and ability um and passion that lives around us and i think that you know the more that we stop focusing on the opposite of those things the more that we're going to be able to see it so let's just really start changing the narrative and um start start looking at our strengths even ours and i know as canadians we're humble people but um i don't i don't see this as as bragging i don't see this as you know blowing up our head but what i what i do i know if you know about the author monique gray smith um who's uh, an author in canada she has such a uh, such a nice way of, of of looking at this she says you know you can't give your gifts away until you know what gifts you bring which i think is just a really really nice you know wrap up to this whole conversation about you know who are we uh what are our strengths how do we share those with others and that's really what our contributions are so thank you to todd thank you to all of you who are listening um thank you to to paul and to uh, and to jill and everyone everyone who's just making um this little journey that we're on so fun uh go go order dark horse which is todd rose's new book i just ordered a copy it's going to be my christmas um christmas break reading i'm going to take it with me to new york Uh, jessica and i are heading there um next next week we're going to be there for a few days um i have family that lives in new york so we go there every other year for the dreamiest christmas ever and so we so we will have um a video strategy as content coming out next monday and then we're going to take a break because both us and you need to take some time off for christmas and new year's Um, and then we will have a brand new five more minutes episode ready for you on january the 7th so um i will be 
wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from um, from my family, uh, both today and also on the day I'll be in New York City thinking of all of you. And um, yes, kiss your family, kiss your friends, kiss your puppies. And I hope that all of you have a really, really nice break. We will see you soon. You can find five more minutes on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Instagram, Spotify, Twitter, and on fivemoreminutes.com. Make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. See you next time. The Five More Minutes podcast is written by Shelley Moore and produced by Paul Madsen.